Hey friends, this is Hannah Wedger, an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes. And I'm here to talk all things agriculture education related, curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you wanna hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with all of you. So let's dig in. Hey friends, I am here today again with a former guest of um, mine, Natalie Strauss. She's a chemistry teacher um, and we are going to talk about something a little bit different today than kind of the normal stuff and I would say a hot button topic maybe a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, and we are going to be talking about cell phones in the classroom and so I recently on my Instagram um, at the end of the school year talked about how our school next year is going to be doing um, like no phones allowed. If you have your phone, it needs to be in um, the off mode or do not disturb mode, and that is what it's going to be. Previously, it was like teacher choice, so teachers kind of set their own rules. Um, I think like the policy was your phone, like the district policy is your phone should be put away, but really it was up to like teacher discretion. So. We are just going to chat about that a little bit and our thoughts and kind of go over some of the things that teachers have said on Instagram. So I don't, I don't really know how to start this conversation, I but um, I definitely have thoughts on it. You definitely yeah. have thoughts yeah. on it. Ours are probably similar ideas. Um, however, I might try to play devil's advocate a little bit in all of this. <laughs> so maybe you want to talk about like what your kind of general ideas of cell phone usage in the classroom are yeah um I've always approached cell phones probably in a different manner um we're about the same age and so for me cell phones were a part of growing up just because I mean granted my dad was in technology so he had a cell phone as long as I can remember we had internet at home as long as I can remember just because that was something he did and I got my first cell phone in sixth grade, which was like a huge deal at the time. That was sooner than me. That well, I was well, wait. super young. Are you? A, you're a year younger. I'm than a year me. younger than you. Yeah. Oh, you got yours a year before me. Yeah. That's impressive. So, but the reason I got it was because I was I was a swimmer and I was doing club swimming down at the U of M, which is about thirty minutes in traffic, twenty to thirty minutes away from my, our house. And my parents would leave me there for a couple hours for swim practice, mm-hmm. and they'd come back and get me. And so they wanted a way to be able to contact me if they got stuck in traffic or something had happened or, or I needed to contact them when they were leaving me, essentially, downtown Minneapolis. Um, <laughs> so that, I mean, truly, that was why I got it. There were a lot of restrictions at it. It was in the time of, like, you got 100 text messages a month, so there wasn't really the, like, fear. There was one other kid in my class that had a cell phone and... Like, I think at the time I, like, had it in my head that we were, like, best friends because we texted each other all the time, which really was just because we we were the only two who we could text. Um, my first, we should probably talk about our first cell phone. Yeah. Mine was a hand-me-down one. It was a flip phone, and it had the antenna that you could pull out. Yep, mine did do. <laughs> I felt really cool, and it was not color screen. It was, like, the, mm-hmm. like, greenish kind of yep. with the... Yep. I felt really cool because I had that snake game where yep. you could go and like. I did too. <laughs> yeah, mine was the like Nokia brick 
but like yeah oh like yeah fit in the palm of your hand and mm-hmm. I actually keep it in my desk drawer at school um and when we talk about like developing technologies I talk about I bring it out and I show them the differences <laughs> and we talk about like pros and cons of the different things and um I wish I still had mine talk about how I mean I'm 28 and so sixth grade would have been a lot like 12 and how I like in 16 years we went from this to this mm-hmm. and like why why you know why did anyone say we should move on so I still have mine I keep it at school I share it with my students they uh, think it's hilarious I have my cell phone from 11th grade or 12th grade it's saved this is so cheesy but I have it saved because it has text messages from Caleb <laughs> When we first started dating, and then when we were in college, there's a few that I saved on there. And I'm like, I should really just get rid of this, but I'm like, oh. Oh, I have I turn it on every once in a while. I I cracked my screen on my iPhone at Christmas, like, shattered. Cannot touch it because glass falls out of it kind of thing. And I have it in my dresser drawer because it has the pictures and texts and stuff from the day my son was born. So I keep that. I mean, they're all probably downloaded onto my computer somewhere, but... I just can't get rid of the cell phone either. <sighs> so cell phones are definitely a part of us growing up. Yeah. They're... And so because they were a part of my life in all of my schooling, I I have a really hard time telling the students that they can't be on it because I, I do see that that was a big part of it. And I really, especially this year, have tried to think back about my experience in high school and the things that I did that probably drove my teachers crazy but now kind of reflecting on how I was as a teenager and whether I should really be that upset with my students for these things. So another example is like home or uh, the last week of school, like seniors last day, things were just insane at my school. No one knew what was going on. And that was super stressful. But then I kind of thought about my last day and actually on Facebook, it had popped up that my last day was exactly 10 years ago from their last day. Oh, funny. And so I was like reflecting on that and thinking about like, well, this is how we were our last day too. Mm-hmm. So why am I being all stressed out about it? Why not just live in the moment and go with it? Yeah. And I think that cell phones are kind of that thing. They're like the new technology and like we need to teach the students how to use them. And if we say you can't have them, that's not going to be teaching them. It's going to be making them the cool thing to try to sneak, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, well, like, so I remember even when we did have cell phones, we still passed notes all the time. Yeah. And then there was the teachers who were like, no note passing, blah, right. blah, blah. And you still like slid it underneath the tables right. or whatever else. Like it still was, mm-hmm. you still did it. And I actually think about that. I actually did say no passing. My students were being crazy one day in class and I was trying to work one-on-one or have like individual conversations with kids. And the rest of them were going nuts. And I finally looked at them and were like, you both have your cell phones in your hands. Why are you yelling across the room to each other? <laughs> like, text each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is a little value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you shared something when you were talking about cell phones on Instagram, a video of someone talking about how it, it's just a different form of communication. To say that these kids don't know how to communicate, they don't know how to communicate the way we want them to communicate. Mm-hmm. But you could say that about... Like, toddlers, too. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to communicate the way we want to communicate. And, yeah, it's frustrating when they're pulling on us or they're grunting or they're screaming and crying. But it doesn't mean that they're not communicating. We just have to look at ways to understand what they're saying and to access that form of communication. So, I think one of the things that is 
um, a lot of people want to talk about is like the mental health side of it mm-hmm. and like social media impacts on students and their cell phones and always having their phones in their hands and not communicating with people in real life and whatever else. It's probably, and I mean, I, personally, yeah, I think that phones probably have a, a, a part of that. Mm-hmm. But if I think back in high school, like I think I feel, I don't know. I think it's just a, it's an interesting time in life in general. I don't know. I mean, I think that is a, a hard one to deal with. I think, and this is probably a whole nother podcast and I say this all the time, but like, I think just talking about mental health in general mm-hmm. and making mental health not have such a stigma behind it or along with it, I think is more important than the cell phone impact of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And it makes me wonder how much of, when we have this big focus on things like social media, like mental health issues because of social media, or we're seeing there because of social media, are we almost using social media as a scapegoat because there's no one I think that could argue that mental health concerns or depression or things weren't around prior to social media. They definitely were. Is the fact that we hear about them more is that we are creating a little bit less stigma or it is easier to get um, help or people do talk about it more. Is that why we hear about it more or is it really that it's increased that much? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it that parents are more aware and looking for signs in their teenagers? So we, as teachers are hearing more about, mm-hmm. you know, this kid is going to counseling, this kid is in inpatient stuff. They're going to be out for a couple weeks. Are we having that happen more because it's more talked about? It's more, we're more aware mm-hmm. of it or is it truly that it's gotten worse? Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know how you would look at, has it gotten worse? I I don't know that there's a possibility to, but I also think that we might be using technology and social media as kind of the scapegoat of like, this is the new thing, so it must be the reason. Yeah. And maybe it's not. Maybe it's it's the access to things and it's the talking about it, which it's interesting. I feel like the people who spout the statistics about like ADHD going up and um, depression going up and all of these things are the same people who are like, but we need to talk about it more. Well, the more we talk about it, the more people are going to be aware of symptoms and the more people are going to watch out for signs and the more it's going to be recognized. Yeah. Whether it's it's not going to need to be a super, super severe case before it's recognized mm-hmm. because people are going to catch it much earlier and see it. And yeah, there are going to be the cases, you know, I think of a bunch of kids that have things going on that they're not, we don't see until it's too late. Mm-hmm. But... I think there was that when we were teenagers too, before there yeah. was social media. And so, I don't know, it, it makes me wonder if we're using social media and technology as like the scapegoat to say that it's this thing's fault so that we don't have to talk about it as a society about like why it's happening mm-hmm. holistically. Um, Gary Vee, who I love, but yes, I think that was the one. <laughs> Cusses a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, he also talks about like, however many years ago, like, Elvis shaking his hips was, like, was it, right. not okay. Like, it's going to ruin our youth and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And so I think that you have a good point in that 
is is our cell phones, our social media, just that next thing that we're concerned about, but mm-hmm. really we just need to kind of adapt to. Um, I, the other thing I think about is like just within the business world, I had, um, when I talked about this on Instagram, I had a former student who is now in the um, um, event planning business and she said, I wish I would have learned how to use my cell phone better because mm-hmm. I use it so much in my work. Um, she talked about how she kind of had a le- learning curve when she first started her job because she had to figure out like when was it appropriate to use in meetings. And she mm-hmm. kind of learned from everyone else. Like people are taking notes on their phone. People yeah. are recording meetings on their mm-hmm. phone. Um, and she said there's definitely a time and a place. But she said mm-hmm. like overall she uses her phone for her job. 98% of the time right. and so you know how many jobs are out there that they do need to use their phone now someone else who is um or who was uh, in the air force they're not supposed to use their phones mm-hmm. they're not supposed to have them out um my dad works construction they're not supposed to have their phones when they're um driving heavy equipment obviously mm-hmm. so there are places um but I think that teaching students how to manage their phone use mm-hmm. instead of prohibiting it mm-hmm. is probably going to serve them better. Yeah, when we talk about getting kids college and career ready, I think at this like there's been a huge shift recently that it's college and career ready. Yeah. You know, we're not just preparing them for a four-year college or nope. life after high school in that sense. And we just have to be honest that that means technology like Mm -hmm. that no matter what you're doing um my husband is a mechanic and he I think about how I view it as so weird when he like doesn't answer his phone when he's at work Mm -hmm. and how like that's he has that ability so to me then when he doesn't answer I'm like oh my gosh what happened Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but you know and then he will talk about People who are, you know, on the other end of their careers who are struggling because they don't, they were used to carrying around these huge manuals mm-hmm. and they don't know now how to look up information on the internet and, um, or even just access like a, a, um, ebook kind of thing that mm-hmm. now is what his work has transferred a lot of their manuals to or fill out a form that they need to fill out online. You know, they've moved all their time cards to digital, like, mm-hmm if you don't have those skills or we're not teaching those skills and then also teaching the management of them, mm-hmm. how are we really preparing them for college and career? Yeah. And I think, I don't know. I'm just a huge supporter of like prohibition never worked. Yeah. And like the person that, um, was in the air force, she answered with what, um, what they should be doing and then she said now do you want to hear what we actually do right Which I don't want to out her but um and that's interesting because I I even know like my summer job I um I garden part-time for a person and I had to prune a rhododendron and I was like well I've never pruned a rhododendron I don't want to kill this right. thing I have an idea I love pruning stuff I love cutting stuff back but I'm just going to double check this on the good old Google. Mm-hmm. And what I thought I should do was supported with what was on Google. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It's just so, and I, 
I had some feedback too that teachers said it has worked great in their school. Right. Um, and so, and I really think the ones that it work great, it works great in. You have to have a hundred percent buy-in from your staff. You have to have a hundred percent buy-in from your administration. There has to be very, very clear guidelines on what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what are the consequences at what state, you know, first offense, what is the consequence, second offense, what is the consequence, and you have to make those consequences things that the kids don't want, because mm-hmm. I know at my school right now, there are kids that ask, and I mean, I was at your school previously, there are kids mm-hmm. that ask to, like, go work in the ISS space, or mm-hmm. down with an administrator, or down with a counselor, and it's like, you know, you're going to be removed from the mm-hmm. classroom, that's not a punishment to most mm-hmm. of our students. Like, that's, like, sweet. Then I get an extra day to make up my work. Mm-hmm. Um, or then they have the excuse of, well, I wasn't here. You sent me out. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about what is the consequence, I struggle with even trying to come up with one. When I think about trying to create, like, my own cell phone policy within my classroom and if I even want to have one, the consequence is always the thing I get caught up on because – it's so much more work for me to have to manage the kids that I maybe potentially sent out mm-hmm. than it is to just manage the behavior. Yeah. And I think of, I mean, that's that goes for not just cell phones, <laughs> but, like, I don't send kids out. And it's to the point where my students know that when I send them out, that's a really big deal and I'm really <laughs> ticked off because they are going to be sent out. Like, if I have to yeah. call, take the time to call someone up there and, like... They, they know that that's, that means mm-hmm. I'm really mad. Um, but then that because I've kind of created that culture, and of course it doesn't happen in the first week of school, but because I've created that culture, when I ask and I'm starting to get to that point, they can tell. Mm-hmm. And so if, that's the, if it's cell phones that are ticking me off that day, mm-hmm. they know that I can take it away and I can be really strict about mm-hmm. it if I need to be. And they don't want to get me to that point. And yeah. so I think it's... It, it really does go back to that relationship in some ways and that, like you said, prohibition never works. So we have to teach them of like reading the room and reading the situation. And within the same classroom, there are going to be days that it's appropriate and there are going to be days that it's not. Mm-hmm. And if you walk up to me and want help with your headphones in, heck no, I'm not going to help you mm-hmm. until you can put your phone down, not look at it and sit and actually listen to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I talk to them a lot about like, if I answered my phone in the middle of talking to you, how would you feel? Mm-hmm. Like, not just is it rude or not, but how would that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, but you're a teacher. And I'm like, but it's, it doesn't matter. Like, you're a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to bring this beyond like, well, they're students. Their job is to learn. Like, they're people. That's where we need to get them at. Because when we always target them and make rules for them as well, you're a student, this is your job to be in school, to be learning, that makes them lower, almost, mm-hmm. in a sense. You know, it, it makes them that power thing. Mm-hmm. And it makes it seem, whether intentional from our end or not, to the students, it's a power thing. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to push back on power and want some power, it's probably going to be around their cell phone. Yeah. And I just, personally, I don't have, like... The amount that is going to be needed to be managed with cell phone usage, like, I just, it sounds exhausting to Mm -hmm. me. And I would much rather want to teach students about appropriate cell phone use than just saying you cannot have it out whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and the other thing, I I totally agree with you. I don't think if you don't have 100% buy-in by your staff, like you have two teachers that say, well, I'm going to kind of do my own thing, then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have administra- administration support with like supporting you with the consequences, then I think you're you're also screwed. Right. Um, so I think you have to have that whole system functioning at a very high level in order for a cell phone, like prohibiting cell phone use to be effective um and you have to have it planned out you can't just have a situation happen and be like oh crap what's the next consequence yeah you know and then you can't have that situation happen have a consequence planned and not follow through with it because the second you do that to one student no matter how big the school is they're all gonna be doing it then because they know that they're not gonna have a consequence yeah so there was a teacher who had an issue this year um of a student who she was taking a test she um she asked to use her cell phone as a calculator mm-hmm. um, and then ended up taking some pictures of the test, said that she didn't send them, they looked at her phone, she had sent them, that sort of thing. And so the teacher was like, well, next year this won't be an issue mm-hmm. um, with cell phone, be, like cell phones being prohibited. Um, and then there was another issue with pictures being shared that should not have been. Um, and so... <clears throat> I don't know. I kind of find that interesting as well um, because obviously, yeah, it won't be an issue if we have cell phone, like prohibiting cell phones. They still have iPads that have a camera on them. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I I don't know. And I, I do agree with this, like a certain extent. I feel like the, like, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult for them to cheat mm-hmm. yep. per se. Um I I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it, though. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's... It's like anything. You have to pick your battles, and you have to figure out where you're going to devote your time. And is cell phones something that's... I mean, I feel like I can say fairly confidently, they're not going away. They're, <laughs> you know, the internet is not going away. So is that where we want to devote our time into prohibiting? Or would we be better off devoting our time into teaching proper use? You know, I think about, like, citations, and I I would venture to guess that prior to the internet, um, where you had to go look up information at a library, Mm -hmm. citing, yeah, your sources wasn't as big of an issue, like, when you're writing an English paper or something, because you had to take the time to do it, and there was probably pretty good evidence that you actually did it. And so, yeah, you need to cite your sources, but now where you can essentially just copy and paste something into a document, like, it's super important to cite your sources. Mm-hmm. And we push that so much. It, it, you know, I wonder if it's kind of like that. We need to teach that. And if we don't teach that, are we going to lose out on a really awesome opportunity? Well, I think it goes back to, like, the whole, like, I'm not super concerned if a student leaves my classroom knowing the difference excuse me between a xylem and a phloem i'm more concerned that they're a good human being like human being human being (laughs) human being um and that they're like a well-rounded person ready for like ready for the real world right and i think it is interesting when we I, i loved that you posed the question of like people outside of education like what what is the rule here um and i think it does go to show that even though you had people responding like, it's prohibited, it's not allowed at my job, um, 
the second answer of like, do you want to know what the rule is or do you want to know what we actually do is the whole reason that we need to teach it and we need to allow it in schools because you don't want these kids going forward with the, well, do you want to know what the rule is or do you want to know what we actually do? Mm -hmm. You want the, here's the rule, here's how I abide by it, Mm -hmm. you know? And if we make the rules so strict that they have to figure out ways to skirt around them, I'm sorry, but teenagers are pros at that. Like they are going to be the ones (laughs) to figure out a way to skirt around that. And I mean... I think back to my time at the same school as you and just the kids like jailbreaking their school iPads and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like I don't have any clue how to do that. And I've grown up with a cell phone my whole life. So (laughs) this kid who like, you know, can't do like, I have, I can do calculus. Like this kid who can't do that can figure out how to skirt around like Mm -hmm. huge security systems on an iPad. Yep. Like they taught me how to... Um, our technology person is not going to appreciate this. <laughs> how to, I was like, God, I'm draining my data. They're like, you need a VPN. Why yes. do you need a VPN? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, just download this app and then it lets you break into blah, blah, blah and go on to Instagram. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're not supposed to do this, but saving me data. Right. It's crazy. That, like, I don't know that. And you have to be like somewhat like applaud them a little bit. Like, right? good job being ingenuitive. Like, <laughs> good job. Well, and I think as a teacher, I there were a few times this year because I allow a lot of technology and stuff in my class. And what you said about like taking the test and taking pictures, I do not allow students to use their cell phones as a calculator. I think there's a lot of value. Yes, I realized when I was in high school, there was the whole like, well, you're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. You better mm-hmm. memorize these math facts. And now... Not true at all. I'm not talking basic math. I just want them to be showing their work and to know how to use an actual calculator because the number Mm -hmm. of them that look at those keys and have no clue what they're doing is a little crazy to me. And to be honest, I don't know how to teach them the calculator on a cell phone, which is part of the reason I don't let them use it because when Mm -hmm. they have questions, I can't support them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't let them use their phones as a calculator, which is a way to get around that. And... um, But our final project this year, there were things that I put on there that... I wanted them to show me they knew how to do, but that were a simple Google search away. And as they were working on their project and doing their quote-unquote research, they'd come up with it on their phone and say, so I just draw a picture of this. And I was like, yep. Like, I I didn't know how to say no to them because really all I had asked them to do was include a picture of that on their poster or whatever they were Mm -hmm. making. So the fact that they looked at it from Google... They didn't do it wrong. I didn't tell them they had to draw it from their brain. Using their resources. Exactly. And so it was that, like, crap, I need to reword these things, and I need to think about how can I assess that they understand it Mm -hmm. that isn't a Googleable thing. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it is a Googleable thing, because I want them to be able to look at the images on Google and say which one of these is correct. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe and, create their own version of it. Yeah, or, or you know, get inspiration from here and reword it in your own thing, in mm-hmm. your own words. But I think that's maybe the challenge as a teacher is you think about the more traditional, the more memorize these facts. Those are the things that the kids can cheat on. Mm-hmm. You know, the explain the connection between A and B, they're probably not going to be able to cheat. They might be able to find a definition of A and a definition of B. But mm-hmm. if you're truly, you word your question in truly a connection or a compare and contrast, and you're mm-hmm. really that's the only way you're going to take it, you know, they're not going to get credit for just a definition of A, a definition of B. 
they can't look that up. Mm-hmm. They might be able to share it with each other, which is another thing, but they can't look that up. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a we're at a time where in ever just like there's probably been many times before we have this awesome opportunity to revamp education into a love for learning and a desire to learn and a using your resources and teaching students how to cite their resources and evaluate whether it's a good resource or not and be more facilitators mm-hmm. than educators we don't need to you know no longer is the teacher and the textbook the holder of all the knowledge Mm -hmm. students can access it in so many ways and like you said they're way better at accessing it than we are (laughs) and so why am I spending all this time looking for good YouTube videos when they can find them themselves Mm -hmm. and assess whether they're good Mm -hmm. you know that's an activity I've done multiple times is here's your topic go find a YouTube video and I Mm -hmm. talk to them about like if every single one of you has the same YouTube video, you guys didn't create a very good resource for you. Mm-hmm. So don't all pick the same first one. Mm-hmm. You know, find different ones. Find ones that say it in different ways that have really cool models or whatever. Don't everybody pick the first Google search. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're actually really good about that. Mm-hmm. And so why aren't we creating more activities like this? Why, why do I spend hours upon hours creating a study guide for them when... I've shown them everything that's going to be on the test and they could essentially create their own study guide. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that a more valuable activity than handing it to them and doing it? And mm-hmm. yeah, they might use the internet and yeah, they might use their peers and their phones, but so what? Well, and I feel like in our jobs, like I use my coworkers, uh-huh. I use my phone, I use um, all the resources that right. I can get, right? And so I don't know. It's an interesting thing, and I've had I had a couple of people too that messaged me and said that they have the, um, you know, have one warning, and then you need to give me your phone or another one so that they have the, um, like the hanging shoe, blah blah blah, and they mm-hmm. stick the phones in there. The only thing that worries me with that is phones are upwards of a thousand dollars, and by taking them and or putting them in the shoe thing. Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility, yep. and I don't want any I don't part want of, of cell phones. <laughs> yeah. Some things that I've done in the past that have worked well, um, being a science teacher, there are plugins galore mm-hmm. in our classrooms, and my last year at my last school, so two years ago, I <laughs> bought those little baby-proofing things, yes. and I baby-proofed my whole classroom, and... I think it was my mom was like, um, you do know that they're teenagers and they know how to take that out, right? And I was like, but it's an extra deterrent. And truthfully, it did work better than I expected it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was the kids who took it out and that's fine. But then they had this little plug thing on their desk and I knew full well that their cell phone was out. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so that worked if you kind of eliminate a, it as a charging station. Mm-hmm. But then also on the flip of that, in my new school, I allowed them to charge their phones, but they had to leave them out by me. Mm-hmm. And so then, or um, I had a, I have significantly fewer plugins this year than yeah. I do I did the past year. And so allowing that, but allowing kind of a, a zone with yeah. the understanding that if you leave your phone there, I am not responsible for it. Mm-hmm. If someone steps on it, if someone takes it, whatever, it, I am not responsible for it. Yeah. But... Again, that's teaching them the proper... I mean, I I like to give them some crap when they need to charge their phone at like 9 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, what happened? But then usually (laughs) they they do have a pretty good excuse. I find that most of my students 
do not have the like, well, I charged it overnight and it already died. They're like, oh, our power went out last night or I thought I had it plugged in and it didn't work or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, I have to, like, I am such an irresponsible person though. And my, <laughs> like, this morning, literally, my phone died. Like, right. it died last night. I didn't have it charged. I didn't plug it in at night because my charger wasn't in my bedroom and I didn't want to go upstairs and get it. Right. So, like, I have to sometimes give them a free pass because I'm right along with them. And, like, I get it. And they don't have a car that they can charge, or most of them are not. Right. Most of them are riding the bus to school. So, unlike me, where I charge my phone as I drive into school. Um, so I did something similar to you this year and I have the students charge their phones if they need to or iPads in the front of the classroom, Mm -hmm. but I do the same thing. Like if it gets stolen, it's, it's not you, it's it's not on me. And they're like, well, are people stealing them? I don't know. But if it does, like, (laughs) it like creates this false sense of scared. (laughs) And you're like, I don't know if people are stealing them. And I, it is, it is kind of funny because then they're like, oh, Okay. Well, I'm only going to charge it for a little bit, and then I'm going to use it. And I feel like I notice now, I think back to high school again, and my little sister specifically had her phone taken, I think, twice when we were in high school. And how I feel like that happened a lot. Like, I feel like yeah. I, have, I heard all the time about people getting their phones stolen from gym lockers and just mm-hmm. from random places. And I don't think I have that happen very often. Mm. Well, no. I mean, yeah. I've never had one taken from my classroom Mm-mm. And when I do, it's fairly easy to track it down. I know. They just and usually it's ping. <laughs> pretty innocently, like, oh, our cases are both black and I picked up the wrong one. Like, yeah. You know, I, there's so many ways to track that kind of stuff now and all the, almost all the kids have something like it that it's not a cool thing to steal anymore. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, I mean, you think about making it not the cool thing to like sneakily get on. Maybe that's the way to do it, is just make it used more for a purpose. You yeah. Know, maybe cut down on thefts of phones in schools, because now everybody has them. So maybe the way to them. cut down on irresponsible behavior is to have ways to use them. Yeah. I Yeah, it's just a, the whole thing is really interesting to me. And I'm a rule follower, so I obviously, like, as we implement this the next year, I will be on board, and I'm not going to be, right. like all right, outside mm-hmm. in the hallway, you have to do what everyone else is doing, but in here you can do what you want. I mean, I definitely will be enforcing it and uh, have the hope that it goes well, because mm-hmm. if it doesn't, then I feel like well, it's just all going to be turned upside down. Like, that's my fear, too, is, you know, if we have this rule, but then it's not necessarily being enforced correctly or with the oomph that you hope it is mm-hmm. or some teachers are enforcing it and some aren't, then I'm worried about, like, the chaos that's going to happen with that. Well, and the, um, what do we do when a student needs to use technology but doesn't have the approved device? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and right now it saves so much headache to just say, well, use your phone. Or even when technology goes awry. Yeah. Like, we had, we had some issues with our, like, web, um, like, filters and stuff where... All of a sudden, YouTube wasn't working. And if you listen to our last podcast about the mastery-based learning, like, all of their instructional videos were on YouTube. And that was just, it was not good. And it was just some random filter that got turned on or, like, something was detecting stuff weird or whatever. But I basically just said, it's not working on your Chromebooks. Use your phone. Mm -hmm. Like, and they did. And 
yeah, that meant that every notification they got, they were popping up. But again, I think that teaching them the appropriate times is what is so much more important. And I'm, you know, almost 30 and this year I realized that turning off notifications on some of my social media would be really great for me. And mm-hmm. I did it. I don't get any notifications. I don't even get the little number of how many things you have to go look at. And truthfully, it's probably been like three or four months that I did that. And I forget that those aren't on now. Mm-hmm. And so I'll look at my phone and see that I don't have any of those notifications and think, I don't need to check Facebook. Why would I do that? I don't mm-hmm. have anything in there to look at. It's a really good idea. I should do that. And like, <laughs> it, it is really freeing and it was scary to do, which is ridiculous to say at 28 years old that I was scared <laughs> to turn the notifications off on my social media, but I haven't missed out on anything. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people who are going to talk to you are still there. Um, and they're going to respond whenever you respond and that's mm-hmm. okay. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be immediate and teaching the, the, the students kind of that lesson and how to be okay with that, I think is better than not at all. And mm-hmm. just saying, no, you just can't go on it at all. And when we get back to the mental health thing of it, turning off my notifications has been awesome for my like mental health and stress level (laughs) and like even setting some of the things on Instagram you can set a timer to notify you on how long you've been on Instagram for a day I have mine set at like an hour and a half and some days I get that notification at like noon and Mm -hmm. some days it's like eight o'clock and I feel really good about myself that I didn't spend Mm -hmm. that much time checking it but like it's just some of those things the screen time reports and all of that stuff like we t- I talked to my student, students about that because my husband and I were going over on our data and it was my fault. <laughs> and he was showing me like how you can check your screen time and how long you're on certain apps or whatever yeah. else. So then the next day I'm like, did you guys know this? And then they were all checking it and we were all like super stressed out. Like, right? we need to set our social media. Like, so yeah. we all, like a whole class, we all set ours and, like, one student was like, well, I think I probably am good around here, and I'm probably good yeah. around here. But, like, what a teaching opportunity to be able to do that. And I um, think that's what needs to happen more often. Awesome opportunity, and you start building some of those reflection skills of, like, mm-hmm. and the, I mean, talk about differentiation. Hey, I can be on this app for two hours, but I, you can't, because you <laughs> are way worse than me. And, yeah. like, th- or yes. I use I use it for this, or I use this app to connect with these people and whatever mm-hmm. else, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it's... I just, I mean, there are some of these skills that we want the students to have surrounding their cell phones mm-hmm. that I am learning as an adult, and mm-hmm. I wish I had known them mm-hmm. so that I, gosh, I think back to college and how much less time I would have wasted when I should have been studying or something, mm-hmm. just because it was the cool thing to do was hang out on Facebook and you know, Netflix when it first was, I mean, people still binge on Netflix, but when that was first new, man, mm-hmm. it was like the cool thing to do to spend your entire Saturday mm-hmm. just watching Netflix. And so this is the cool thing now. And if we don't teach them how to manage it, they're going to end up 30 in the real world. I mean, we can put real world in the quotes. Some of them, their mm-hmm. world is much more real than mine is some days. Yeah. But to assume that they aren't having these same experiences simply because they're teenagers is a big assumption to make. And in a lot of ways, my students especially have experienced a lot of things that I will never experience and and never hope to experience um, because of their family situations and their Mm -hmm. life situations. And so to make a one-size-fits-all 
kind of policy is really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I really try to emphasize in my classroom too is that you do not answer your cell phone unless you talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. So there, I have kids who work and help support their family and their boss will call midday and they know that if they answer without, I will make them hang up. But the better thing to do is to come to me and be like, hey, my boss is calling me. Can I step out? They're out for two minutes. They're back in, and we're all focused back on our work. Like, and that's what you would do, like in a work meeting or exactly. something like so that. Exactly. So that's where you know, and being up front, the, you know, I think my mom had her knee replaced a couple weeks ago. Like, I had my phone out that whole day, yeah, so that my dad could give us updates. Like, if you have a family situation or something going on in your life, be honest about it. Be upfront about it, and that's a one-on-one conversation that you have in person. So when we say that students aren't or in their phones and not having that conversation, force those conversations in person, but then give them a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I can think of a multiple different examples. Like I usually have my phone somewhere where I can see it just because of, I have two kids in daycare. Right. Like <laughs> that's just the, that's just like the reality of being a parent. Yeah. Right. And so I have that part of it. And then I have had another, like, other things I'm thinking about are students who have come up to me and like can I take this phone call but I can see that they're visibly upset about Mm -hmm. something yes sure go up absolutely go have that conversation and then when they come back in I can have that like what's going on do we need to talk about it do you need support whatever else and I I am nervous that those opportunities might go away if we're saying you can't use your cell phones at all or that they might have to be more like private about it or whatever mm-hmm. else. And like you said, you're a rule follower, so you're going to go about this yeah. that way. But I think about our students who are real rule followers and in some ways those kids who are rule followers are the ones who need more support mm-hmm. and who are going to keep things hidden because they think it's unacceptable or what they're feeling or what they're going through is something that no one else is going through, so they're not going to share it. And so if they're then afraid to come to the adults in their lives to talk about what's going on, be it you know, needing to take a phone call or something as <laughs> seemingly insignificant as that, or um, you know, online bullying or things mm-hmm. like that, if they're not supposed to have their phone out, phones out and then they saw something mm-hmm. super negative, they're probably not going to come tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Which then could lead to this whole snowball effect of, you know, a lot of the things we catch with kids being concerned is because another kid saw something and said something. And there's all, you know, if you go to the airport and there's all that, like, see something, say Mm -hmm. something. We need to teach our kids that that's how social media is. And if they're afraid that they're going to get in trouble because Because they were on their phone. When they weren't supposed to be. When they're not supposed to be, they're not going to bring it to our attention. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. That makes me really nervous. Yeah. Because, yeah, that kind of hits home for me, too. Mm -hmm. We had a student this year that was never on my radar for anything. Was a, like, straight-A student, kindest, and um, ended up leaving us too soon. And so, I, you know, you wonder about that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, what happens when you prohibit this stuff and make it, like, not okay? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, maybe that's an extreme case. Right. But it's also a reality. Got, like... Some of our students who are rule followers and, or maybe they're not even rule followers, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they're a little bit of rebels, but they don't want to get caught being on their phones or they don't want to have the consequences of it. I don't know. That makes me nervous too. When I, this is going to be the most 
I hope no one takes this the wrong way, but I think about it in terms of like alcohol and our, our, our teenagers and alcohol. And you think about the, the statistics about like overseas where the drinking age is 18 and they kind of have grown up where they, it's, it's a social thing and you have a glass of wine with dinner and it's just accepted and you you almost teach your kids a better responsibility for Mm -hmm. something like that. So that when they turn 21 or whatever the drinking age is going to be, there's a lot less of that, like binge drinking. It's not, it's not your first exposure to it. Mm -hmm. Then I think you get into trouble when something is prohibited for so long, then their first exposure to it it's like an overboard and they're way on over their heads. If we've slowly exposed our students, and I am by no means mm-hmm. <laughs> saying that we should be lowering drinking age or anything like that, but I think that it's an interesting to look thing to look at when we talk about screen time or um, cell phone use or anything like that. If we've slowly shown our students and our kids how to manage that over mm-hmm. time, they're a lot less likely in my opinion, to get into a situation where they're over their heads because they have not been taught the tools of how to handle that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's also interesting to me. And as I kind of figure out myself more too, like my husband and I do not watch TV. Yeah. Like It's so weird because I grew up like the TV was always on. Mm-hmm. We don't watch TV anymore. And I think it's just kind of been a choice that like – I would prefer to go on social media and and scroll through some Instagram things, get ideas for teaching, get ideas for my garden, see what my friends and family are up yep. to versus watching stuff on TV that mm-hmm. I don't I don't connect with anymore. And part of that is a financial decision where I refuse to pay money for cable but (laughs) um or Netflix but it is like you know there's there's a choice there to be made you know Mm -hmm. and that's the choice that we've made Mm -hmm. um and so I think I think it's interesting Mm -hmm. it's all really interesting yeah I don't know. We've talked about this for a while. Yeah, we did not think this was going to be We thought this was going to be a quick one, but um, it, it just goes to show that I think there's a lot, a lot connected to cell phones, and it's just not should we have them or should we not, but there's a lot more there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and because it's so multifaceted and there's so many potentially, like, well, you can have them in this situation but not in this situation, I don't know that a one-size-fits-all Prohibition is the way to go about it. Yeah. I'll be interested to see when school starts. We might have to do yeah. this again when An school update starts. Year. <laughs> uh, see how this goes. Yeah. So just so my admin knows, I will be following the protocol and all that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be interested and then maybe we'll have to do a do an update as the year goes on and how how it's going. Yeah. <laughs> Hello! This is the part of the podcast where I ask you guys, the listeners, for um, support. So if you like this podcast, you like what I'm doing, you like the content I am covering, um, as always, please send me an email and let me know because that's super helpful. But you can also support the podcast by going to, um, if you go to the Anchor website on your laptop or desktop or whatever else and you search egg with miss wedger there is a button that says support this podcast 
Um, and so you can pick a amount that you would like to donate um, or you would like to allocate to the podcast and that just supports um, honestly the time that I put into the podcast so I spend a lot of time recording I spend time going through and making sure that there's no like weird microphone issues or whatever else Um, and then I spend time setting everything up getting questions all that good stuff Uh, so if you like the podcast I would love, love, love your support. If you're not there yet, that's totally fine too. I understand that 100% completely. Um, but go ahead and follow me on Instagram. Um, th- let me know what you want to hear. Um, if you want to be a guest yourself, all that stuff is great. So thank you and I hope you have a great rest of the day. You just finished listening to Ag with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about our topic for today. Visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger to follow along on my daily journey as an agriculture teacher, a wife, and a mama of two. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you, yeah you, want to be a guest, you can send me an email at eggwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye everybody.